welcome to day 72 of Shaped by the Word, Season 3, The Story of the Prophets. Uh, the Prophets, uh, we've grown to love the Prophets because all the themes that we find in the Gospel and find fulfilled in Christ are uh, here in the Prophets. Uh, it talks about, you know, God's judgment, and of course our sins were judged in Christ, and it talks about God's regathering His people and restoring their fortunes. And of course that too has happened, you know, for us in, in the person of Christ. So we just come through a huge section of Isaiah, beginning in chapter 13 and going through chapter 27. that talks about the judgment of the nations. And uh, then there's glimpses of the hope that God holds out to Israel. This next section, you know, is, is one that uh, it won't feel like it this week. Uh, but as we get into a latter part of the weeks uh, where there's increasing hope extended to the nation, uh, the hope that's here is just is, is kind of veiled and it's kind of hidden and there's short spurts of it. You know, God is still dealing with the people. Uh, you know, as Matt's emphasized in your weeks past, are full of pride and uh, have looked at all of the things that they have and have taken credit for themselves and looked at those who do not have and have not had a heart of compassion, you know, for them. Uh, so we come to uh, chapter 28. Uh, God gives a critique of the leaders uh, in both the nation of uh, Israel and the nation uh, of Judah. Uh, before we read, we read. We always you know, just start with a you know, simple phrase. Let's offer ourselves, offer this moment to the Lord, realizing the opportunity we have not only to uh, grow deeper in our knowledge of Him, but to grow deeper in the grace that comes through knowing Him and to have that grace you know, transform our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Uh, so before we can, I'm, I'm, I'm Paul, by the way, here with uh, Matt and David. Uh, all of our friends are not here. They warned us that we would be, have less and less friends if we kept living the way we did, and here it is. Uh, but we're here. we're here. And so, Matt, would you uh, lift us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, for let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time together, and thank you for time in your word. Um, Father, you are gracious and kind to us um, to reveal yourself both uh, through your word and, and through your son. And, and so, Father, we ask as we continue to... Um, to make our way through Isaiah, uh, that you would continue to do a great work in us, continue to draw us to yourself. And, uh, and Father, we do thank you for the portrait um, of, that we receive through Isaiah uh, of who you are and um, what you've done. Father, thank you for the reminders um, and, and the pointers that Isaiah brings, um, calling our attention um, to, to who you are and, and to what you've done in Christ Jesus. Would that shape us, uh, be with us as we continue to read and and Father, give us wisdom. Uh, use this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Isaiah 28, Woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower of his glory and his beauty set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. See, the Lord is the one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and flooding downpour. He will throw it forcefully to the ground. The wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunken, will be trampled underfoot. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like figs right before the harvest. As soon as the people see them and take them in hand, they, they swallow them. And that day the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for a remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And, those, and these also stagger from wine, and they reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit, and there is not a spot without filth. 
Who is it he is trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children? Weaned from their milk to those just taken from the breast? For it is, do this, do that. A rule for this, a rule for that. A little here, a little there. Very well. Then with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. And this is a place of repose. But they would not listen. So then the word of the Lord to them will become do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. So as they go, they will fall backwards. They will all be injured and snared and taken captive. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, you rule his people in Jerusalem. You, you boast. We have entered into a covenant with death. With the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. For we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I'll make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hill will sweep away your refuge, the lie, the water, and overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on the blanket, too narrow to wrap around you. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop your mocking, or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in the field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not thrust with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. As all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. Kind of an interesting analogy he gets to. In the end, he talks about the work of a farmer, and uh, this is you know this is a kind of common you know common you know, uh, metaphor that we have when we talk about you know having the right tool you know for the you know for the right job, and uh, he said you know with things like you know coming and caraway coming and caraway, you don't have these big old threshing carts and you don't you know run over it and roll it down. You, there's a very delicate process there, and he's saying this is this is what I'm doing, even though in judgment, you know in my wisdom. I'm doing the right thing at the right time in the right way so as to bear fruit for the nation, which is, you know, the image, you know, that he's, he's using here. And he's talking about the wisdom of God's plans. What often, you know, he says, this is a seems a strange thing to you. And it often does seem a strange thing to us, what God is doing. But he knows exactly when to plow, exactly when to thresh, and exactly how to thresh. Uh, he doesn't use, you know, a, a horse, you know, for beating out grain or a giant wheel, you know, for, you know, gently removing the feeds of caraway. And so God's, all of God's ways are perfect, is, is what he's trying to say, even though in, in this instance to you, it will not feel like it. Yeah. And that's how he ends it, right? In 29, like, 
All this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful and his wisdom is magnificent. And that's still something we struggle with even today, right? To to truly trust in that. And absolutely. I mean, we believe in a sovereign God and it's part of our theology. And obviously I believe it for you and your life, but to then believe it for me and my life is an entirely different thing. And as you've already alluded to, you know, they're hearing this judgment in good times. And so to to think that times are going to be bad and yeah. even maybe challenge my faith. And, Matter of fact, where they are right now yeah. is they are staggering from beer and reeling, yeah. reeling, from, and just reeling from you know wine. And it's you know the prophet and the priest you know alike. In other words, they're they're, they're partying when they should be mourning, and uh, they're uh, complacent when they should have a sense of you know a sense of mm-hmm. urgency, and uh, they're they're dull when they should it should be sharp. And, and so the nation of Israel, and, and of course, when we talk about Ephraim, that's always you know, in reference to you know Samaria, and, and you start talking about you know, there's a nice image you know that takes place here. You know, she wears this this wreath on her head, which is, is the pride of the beautiful land that she lives in, and of course, the city of Samaria was set uh, in, in a kind of nice scenic high hill where you could see the lands and uh, everything around. And he said, uh, you, you wear this wreath of pride on your head and I will take it away, you know, the wreath of your drunkenness and I will give you a wreath of grace, you know, for mm-hmm. your pride, for my grace. So there's an exchange uh, that takes place in the middle of that. And of course, again, that's a picture of the gospel, yeah. the exchange of uh, our unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ, a wreath of our pride for a wreath of God's grace. Yeah. And that's one of those things that stands out, especially in a chapter like this, where you do get... You know, the Lord's saying, hey, this is what I'm doing, and yet you don't understand. And, and we see, I mean, we've seen it throughout Isaiah so far. Part of it is they just don't listen to his word. I mean, he even yeah. says, you know, listen to what I'm saying, but they don't. But then also they don't trust in, in him. And and so rather than, you know, the the Lord being the one who is that beautiful wreath, the one in whom they, they boast in and they trust in, instead they, they find themselves boasting and trusting in other things. And so when the Lord's plan seems strange to them, it's the same thing that's true for us today. Rather than trusting in the character and the heart yeah. of God and, and His purposeful plan, we turn towards other things, asking, "Why is the Lord doing what He's doing?" Or, you know, we may see judgment and and try to excuse it away. Or even this image. I mean, see the Lord, and, and you get these powerful images that the Lord's coming through, and it's just destructive. Yeah. And yet, it's it's a graceful judgment. We just can't see it. No, but and it's in later Isaiah will tell you know, my. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts, and my ways above you know ways above your ways. And uh, when I'm you know gently you know when I'm gently threshing, it feels like to you that I'm overrunning you you know with a wheel, and it can feel that way. And of course, he's he's talked about it. You know, you've made a covenant of death, and, and of course, the covenant of death is you know any. Any any time we have aligned ourselves with anything other than God, you know, the writer of Proverbs, uh, you know, a generation or two before this, or actually a generation or four or five before this, <laughs> you, know, you know, remind us there's a way that seems right to us, but its end is, is, is death because it separates us from God. And said, so you've made a covenant with death. You're relying on Egypt. Mm-hmm. You're relying on, you know, your alliances, or which we're going to get into, you know, a little bit later in this this week, you're relying on your own wealth, you're relying on your own, own fortifications, and, and all of those are ultimately going to, you know, lead to your ruin. A covenant of life, of course, is any time um, we've united ourselves with God and His purposes, for He is the one who uh, gives life. I, I love what Jesus said in John, just as the Father has life in Himself, He has granted 
the sun to have a life in itself. And of course, he invites us to come to him so that we might have life. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Well, the wonderful invitation you have given us. Um, we take refuge in so many other things, um, so often besides you, Lord. And so help us to be a people that come to you, find true rest, find uh, refuge from the weariness of life. And we know that that's found in you. So maybe we people that hear you, come to you, and in that, may you graciously meet us, um, restore us, and renew us to, to live in such a way that brings you honor and glory. And pray that all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.